In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The work of Christ is summed up well in the beginning of the Collect of the Day we prayed a few minutes ago. Lord God, you made your beloved Son our Savior, subject to the law, and caused him to shed his blood on our behalf. And so in both of these things, we see that Jesus was actively and passively obedient to the Father, accomplishing our salvation. And gathering together on this first day of the new year, then, we hear God's word. We give thanks to our Lord, the Lord who places his name upon us and freely gives us what he has done. And so that short reading from Luke today forms our thoughts and provides an opportunity to look at an often glossed over event in the life of Jesus. God tells us, and at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And so in these few words, we see something important. As with any event in the life of our Lord, that is true. But here today, specifically, when we see Jesus is circumcised, he is fulfilling God's law for us. But like good Lutherans, we always hear this and we ask that question, well, what does this mean? What does this mean when Jesus does this? Well, first we see something about God's law. We see that God's law is good. God's law is perfect. And it makes demands that reflect the righteousness and holiness of God. And seeing Jesus fulfill God's law shows us that. Because any time we're confronted with the law of God, we often want to see it in a negative light because it accuses. And it rightly accuses us as sinners. But for Jesus, who isn't a sinner, who isn't even able to sin, he lives God's law. So if God's law were something negative, what would be the point of Jesus fulfilling it? And likewise, the Bible clearly teaches us that the law isn't sin. The problem then, when men are confronted with God's law, when God's law is preached to us and we're confronted with it, it's not with the law, but with sinners. Sinners who justly stand under it apart from Christ. The act of obedience of Jesus isn't then limited to his circumcision, but is seen throughout his whole life living without sin when he overcomes temptation, and living completely, perfectly, and faithfully in all things according to, then, God's perfect law. We see that no creature of God can do this. You need somebody who is fully God and fully man. And so the one who issues forth the law, the one who reflects his perfect essence, only he can, in his time on earth, subject himself to live under it for a specified purpose. And in Galatians 4 on this past Sunday, the first Sunday after Christmas, we heard, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born under the law, born of woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. There is the work of Jesus. There's its purpose. So him being born of a woman, being born of the Virgin Mary, fully man, under the law, living it, is to redeem, to redeem those people who are under the law, who stand under its accusations, and to make them his sons by what he does. And so we can't do what Jesus did. 
the political law, laws pertaining to the nation of Israel, and the ceremonial law, like circumcision and all of those things with like not being able to eat certain types of meat, they were unique to the people of the Old Testament. They were pointing to the coming of Jesus and taught God's people about the Lord's holiness, about his wrath, and things relating to this. This moral law, though, the Ten Commandments, are still binding on us. It's eternal, but we do see them all fulfilled for us in Christ. And this is what it means then when the scriptures say that Jesus is the end of the law for everyone who believes in him. He is the completion. He is the fulfillment of this law of God. And the same thing goes for his passive obedience, his passive suffering. By shedding his blood, first here at his circumcision and all the way to his death on the cross, Jesus, God in the flesh, is paying what we owe, God, suffering the punishment of sin on himself. Our guilt is placed on Jesus, this Lamb of God. The Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so even before he came down from heaven, he knew this would be the case, that even as a baby, blood must be shed. So for in order for there to be our forgiveness, blood has to be shed by our Savior. Because there is a cost to sin, and it's a high price. And the currency by which we are bought back to the Father from sin, death, and the devil is the holy, precious blood and innocent suffering and death of Christ. He who is the spotless lamb of God is able to offer himself up as a sacrifice. So as fully God and fully man, his death is no mere death, but one who accomplishes something, one who satisfies God's wrath against sin, and only he can do it and no one else. He does this then as our substitute and suffers what we deserve and what we owe God in our place. That's what we call the atonement. So then what does all of this mean as we gather here and, and hear this theological lecture on New Year's Day when we're probably thinking about the Iowa Hawkeyes game in about 30 minutes? All of the righteousness of Christ, all of his work, all of his suffering, all of his death, you see, everything that he has done is now imputed or counted for you. In the epistle reading, we hear, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. And so we see something then that being in Christ is important. And not only that, but being in Christ means that we no longer stand condemned before God. Our sin isn't counted against us. Instead, the Father only counts something. It's Jesus and his life and his work for us. Now, another place in Galatians 3, our epistle reading today is from Galatians 3, but another way, place in Galatians, that chapter 3, it summarizes this well when God wrote through St. Paul, said, But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. All of this now then comes to a head for us 
and we see this on this day. We see how we apprehend how, or how we have what Jesus has done, how we have his righteousness, how we have his salvation, how we have all things, his glory, his honor, and all things that we sang about in that hymn of the day this last Sunday. It's through faith. Because the law is not our righteousness before God, but it's through faith in the one who was actively and passively obedient to the Father for us. So Jesus is the life, Jesus is the righteousness we have before the throne and the judgment seat of God. And this righteousness of Jesus is ours only by grace alone through faith in Christ alone. So the promises and the benefits of Jesus are received as a gift of God through faith. As Christians, those justified before God, we do then have a new relationship to God's law. We see it in a new light. We are different than unbelievers because we are in Christ. We do have what he has done. And as Christians, as the baptized people of God, those baptized into his name most holy, the Ten Commandments teach us the life that is God-pleasing and what the fruit of our faith in Christ looks like. It lays it out before us. And so insofar as we are Christians, the new man is guided by this moral law, and he delights to serve God, and he wants to live according to what the law says. And we don't do this to earn our salvation, but because of who we are in Christ. We are a new creation, and as Martin Luther once said, we are now friends of the law. We make it our aim to please God according to the ways he has given us. We hear his word, we meditate upon these things, and we live that life that the Lord would have us live because this is who we are as God's people. It's what we do. We're saints. We're holy. We're set apart from the world around us. We live differently, and we walk according to the ways of the Lord and as he teaches us in the way we should go. Our Christian faith hears all of this, and it says, Amen. This is my desire, O Lord. This is what I want, what you want. So what a day this is, and it informs us so much about who your Savior is and who you are as his people. Every single event you see in the life of Jesus, you can understand as something God is doing for you and is yours by grace through faith, delivered through the means of grace, through his word and sacraments. In Christ, you have all of these things, every single event. There are countless boys for centuries who were circumcised, but it's only the circumcision of Jesus that you see it's done for you. And indeed, in Christ, you are a new person. You're no longer a slave, but an heir of promise and children of Abraham by faith. Your standing before God is based upon the faithfulness of Jesus and his active and passive obedience. His person and work define who you are and what God says about you. Your confidence is found in Christ, and you have a clear conscience each and every day, knowing where you stand before God because you are baptized into Christ. So starting off this new year, then, it's always good for us to keep this in mind as we look for what is to come, and so much which is unknown. But we see that God calls us to be his disciples, to be students of his holy word, to conform our lives to his will, and each day, by daily repentance, we confess our sin and seek what the Lord says in his word. And each new day brings with it many opportunities to serve God and our neighbors. And like that old saying goes, there's never a better day to start than now. 
and the Lord forgives, and he refreshes you for this task. You have Christ, and the very name of God is placed upon you. You're marked as God's own child as you are baptized into the name of the triune God and have Jesus and his work. And that's no small thing at all to begin 2019 as one who bears the name of Christ in your baptism, hearing his word and receiving his supper today. That's what defines who you are. It's what defines where you're going in the year ahead. And when you look at next year, a year now from now, let it be said of you that your life is hidden in Jesus in this new year. And where he is in his means of grace, there you will be to receive him faithfully. So as all of this is before us on this day, what a wonderful thing to behold this work of Jesus as we think about his circumcision and name, things that appear to be just a passing glance in the gospel. But he fulfills God's law for you, and you have all that he has done. The Lord's work is your salvation, and it's freely given to you. He places his saving name upon you. He blesses you, and he sends you out as his people redeemed by the Lord who was born in Bethlehem and on the eighth day was circumcised according to that ceremonial law of God. See this whole event in the life of Jesus has done for you. See everything that Jesus did as done for you. Because the reason is that it was all done for you. Go this day in the new year clinging to Christ, whose very name is your salvation. Marked by the holy saving name of God, you are a holy people. Called by God out of the darkness of this world. For your light has come, as we'll hear on Epiphany Sunday. You have the blessing of God, which is the forgiveness of your sins. And we know that where there is the forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. Jesus and his name are yours. Thanks be to God for such grace, such mercy. Thanks be to God that your Lord has done all things for you, and he freely gives it out. Thanks be to God that you have life in Jesus, the Lord whose very name means he has saved you. Amen.